Praise the Lord. A lot of things are different because he lives. Amen. What a difference it has made. Praise his holy name. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Praise his name. Let's stand and start our service with prayer this morning. We thank you, Jesus, for each one who's here. We thank you for those who have a desire to be here and haven't made it yet, or maybe you're not going to be able to make it. But we pray, Lord, that you would minister to our hearts and radiate your presence throughout our your presence throughout our lives this morning i pray that the reality of what has taken place to uh, a little over two thousand years ago uh, would be a reality in our hearts this morning and i pray that you would help us to to grasp behold with our mind's eye uh, the vision of the things that took place so many years ago and the reason why we're all standing here this morning on this special day to celebrate, not only a day of rest, not only a, a day dedicated for you, but Lord, also this special celebration of your resurrection. We thank you, Jesus, for coming and being born into a sinful world and all the works that you did. And we thank you for dying on the cross. But we thank you, Lord, that you didn't stay in the tomb, but that you rose again and give us victory and power over the enemy. We thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray that that reality would settle into our hearts, that we would catch the vision, the understanding, Lord, that our life is just not of mortal flesh, but of immorality, of the future of eternal life. And I pray that you would help us to think and act and behave ourselves as eternal beings. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done this morning and up until this point. We pray that you would move in this service. We're asking you to take over just minister to our hearts, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So good to see each one of you here, and as probably many of you have, I've invited some folks too, and maybe some will still come in, or maybe tonight. But it's good to be here, the special time of celebration of our Christ resurrection. Thank the Lord he didn't stay in the grave. It's empty. <laughs> it's empty. Praise the Lord. I hope you're ready to lift your voices and praise the Lord this morning as our sister comes and leads us in worship. Just mind the Lord this morning. good to be in God's house this morning and to feel his presence that is already here. <clears throat> Before we begin singing, I'd like to thank Brother Barnes for filling in for me during the time when I wasn't able to, and uh, I'm sure our pastor appreciated that, and I want to express my appreciation as well. <clears throat> well, uh, in appreciation for what the Lord has provided for us, I'd like to start this morning with the chorus, Heavenly Father, I appreciate thee in the uh, blue book it's number eight and shall we stand together as we sing it please
this morning, a gratitude for the price that was paid for our redemption. Well, we'll go to a more traditional Easter song. Let's turn to number 458. This one was already played this morning, but I had it on my mind before we came. Crown him with many crowns. Crown him the Lord of love, the Lord of life, and the Lord of heaven. Crown him King of kings this morning. 458. <clears throat> across the page to the one Christ arose. I liked what this chorus says here. He arose, a victor from the dark domain. No, he, he up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He didn't have any trouble coming out of the grave, did he? But his foes were defeated at Calvary, and I'm thankful for that this morning, that he has made a way for us to get to heaven. Shall we stand together as we sing this one? Oh, we 
Savior today, not one of wood or stone or one that can't hear us, but he's living. I'm thankful for that. Thank you for your good singing. Well, thank the Lord. You could tell the songwriter got a little excited when the notes start climbing up and up the steps where I can't reach them. <laughs> thank the Lord that he arose. It changed everything, didn't it? Praise the Lord. He just didn't come to die on the cross for our sins, but he came to rise again, showing himself victorious over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Praise the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. May him, him and his name alone be glorified. Amen. We have much to praise the Lord about, don't we? Thank the Lord. He just didn't stay in the grave, but he has risen again. I know you keep hearing me say it, but I can't get over it. I, I'm so thankful that the Lord has done something in my heart that's made a difference. Amen. Praise the Lord. Maybe someone else has a testimony this morning. Amen. Good. Amen. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good. Good. Praise the Lord. Something that the world can never do 
Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Many of you remember we were praying for Micah's adopted sister, Ariana. Turned her back on the Lord and everything that she knew. and Went out into the ways of the world and come back with some scars. But thank the Lord, the prodigal daughter has come home. Praise the Lord. Amen. Come back to Jesus. Back to the loving arms of Jesus. He awaits. There's only one place in the Bible where I see a picture of Jesus, the Father, getting in a hurry about something. And that's when he's running to the prodigal son that's coming home. Amen. Thank the Lord. Praise his name. Another soul, another name written down in glory. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good. Thank the Lord. We not only die with Christ, but we live with Christ. Praise His name. Amen. Don't want to cut anyone off. This is a special time, a special celebration. If you have something on your heart to give God glory about, I want you to be free to do so. Alright, well let's prepare our hearts to go to prayer this morning. It's our custom to mention different prayer requests. There's some that can be mentioned and some the details can't be mentioned. And the Lord knows all about all of our needs and all of our prayer requests. But He says that there's power in His children gathering together in one accord about needs. And so it's our uh, tradition or custom that we lift our prayer request, those that we can mention. And I wonder if you have any prayer requests on your heart this morning. That you'd like us to pray about. Yeah, praise the Lord. Maybe someone else has a testimony on your heart. Thank the Lord. Good. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. He answers prayer. He's able. He is able. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Are you glad this morning? Glad for life and breath? Hope and peace. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. If Brother Mike will come, we'll pass the offering plate. I've heard of ministries passing the offering plate and having the ushers count it. And they say if they haven't got enough, they're going to take another offering. We don't operate that way. <laughs> the Lord loves a cheerful giver.
Thank the Lord. Amen. All right. All hearts clear this morning. I believe we have a special plan. Is that correct? All right. You just come and mind the Lord. God for that eternal life that he gave to us. Thank the Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to St. John chapter 20. St. John chapter 20. <clears throat> and stand with me for prayer. We're going to start reading at verse number 1. Maybe on down to about verse number 18. St. John chapter 20, 
1 through 18. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time in the Word. We thank you, Jesus, for your presence here. We feel you, and we thank you for that. You make all the difference, Lord. We could gather together and have a little meeting, but it wouldn't be church unless you came. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your ministry already in the service this far. We pray that you would just continue your work in our hearts. Lord, as we read these words from this page, may it become a reality in our hearts. May we see it with our mind's eye. May we understand it with our, see it with our spiritual eyes and give us understanding in the word, not just in our minds, but in our hearts, that we may obey you. We desire to know you. We desire to walk in the light. We ask that you'd reveal yourself to us this morning and we'll give you the praise and the glory for you alone are worthy of all praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As my approach this uh, Easter season has been more from the perspective of John, I've looked at some other passages in the other Gospels, and, uh, but the last number of messages have been in the, in the Gospel of John. I want to pick up here in verse number 1 of chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse number 1. says, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early. When it was yet dark, she came unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. And I'll just stop here for just a moment to uh, inform you. If you read much in the book of John, you'll know that John was not uh, very, he was a very humble person. He was a very humble disciple, and rightly so. And many times uh, throughout the book of John and giving his account, he just referred to himself as that other disciple. So when you see the, the phrase there, other disciple, He's referencing himself, because this is the writer of John, St. John. He says, Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we see not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that it was about his head that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the sepulcher, knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing. And knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where, they ha where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken these things unto her. Wow, can you imagine yourself 
being there that day and coming to the sepulcher expecting to find uh, just a corpse, expecting to find someone there to open the tomb stone, to, to uh, take the spices there and to see what was going on, to see what was, what was uh, there. And, uh, you know, just imagine yourself going to a loved one's grave uh, going there to the cemetery and maybe you have someone who's very close to you who passed away and you go and visit their their headstone or where they're at their memorial wherever that is set up and uh, imagine just going there just like any other time you know the cemeteries are a quiet place that's not where that's not a place where you look for much activity and uh, she just went there it doesn't really say much about what she was thinking it doesn't really say much about what was on her mind it just says that she was there and and thank God that she was there. She was very, very early. One of the first ones there, the scriptures points out and says. And, and we have to understand, I think, to really get a good grasp on understanding this story, we need to understand the backdrop or the context of the story. And I just would remind you again of the Tuesday night service we had talking of the sufferings of Christ and all that Jesus Christ went through to take our place on the cross of Calvary and to forgive us of our sins and to be able to offer that blood atonement. I uh, ran across my brother-in-law shared this poem by John and Charles Wesley and I'd like to read it to you there's 11 little verses in here and the timing was about 1869 he says all all ye that seek the Lord who died your God for sinners crucified prevent the earliest dawn and come to worship at his sacred tomb bring the sweet spices of your sighs, your contrite heart and streaming eyes, your sad complaints and humble fears, come and embalm him with your tears. While thus ye love your souls to employ, your soul, your sorrow shall be turned to joy. Now, now let all your grief be o'er, believe and ye shall weep no more. An earthquake hath the cavern shook, and burst the door and rent the rock. The Lord hath sent his angel down, and he hath rolled away the stone. The snow behold, as snow behold his garment white, his countenance as lightning bright. He sits and waves a flaming sword and waits upon his risen Lord. The third aspacious morn is come and calls your Savior from the tomb. The bands of death are torn away. The yawning tomb gives back its prey. Could neither seal nor stone secure, nor men or devils make it sure. The seal is broken, the stone is cast by, and, by, and all the powers of darkness fly. The body breathes and lifts his head. The keepers sink and fall as dead. The dead restored to life appear, the living quake and die for fear. The Lord of life is risen indeed, to death delivered your, in your stead. His rise proclaim, your sins forgiven, and shows the living way to heaven. Hasten then, ye souls that first believe, who dare the gospel word receive, your faith with joyful hearts confess, be bold, be Jesus' witnesses. Go tell the followers of your Lord, their Savior is to life restored. He lives that they his life may find. He lives to quicken all mankind. I like that. I thought that was good. To help us understand everything that took place, there's not really enough time to really kind of conclude and to study and to lay out everything that took place. But that kind of lays out many of the happenings, many of the things that happened in this account of Jesus' resurrection. This story, this account here doesn't talk much uh, about when the, when the tomb first uh, popped open, if you will. When Jesus first raised from the dead, I sent out a, a little picture to some of you. It's a, it's a picture of a Roman soldier kind of running and looking over his shoulder at the empty tomb and the light bursting out. They, they were slain as dead men. And we'll read a poem maybe in closing that I like and I've shared maybe last year, one that my grandpa shared. I think it brings good conclusion to this lesson. 
I want us to look here in these passages. We note that we have two disciples. This is the account of two disciples that we read, verses 1 through 18. Two disciples, I guess there's, there's, there's three here, but really it gives the, uh, more of a detailed account of two disciples. The one is John, of course. He's the writer and he refers to himself as the other disciple. But then we also have the account that starts off by telling us about Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, and if you go back in the Gospels, you'll read about her and her miraculous deliverance from the devils and how God delivered her. Jesus Christ set her free, and she had a special love for Jesus and for all that he'd done for her. There's passages in the Bible where Jesus said that whom much has been forgiven, much loveth. Amen. The more that God has done for you, the more that God's changed in your heart, the more that you'll love him, the more that you'll treasure him, the more that you'll appreciate all that he's done. May God help us from becoming seasoned Christians in the way that we would become calloused, in the way that we would become unappreciative. And I said before that the, that is the first step of backsliding. The first step of turning back to the ways of the world is failing to appreciate what God has done in our hearts, failing to really realize who He is and acknowledging for who He is. I have three points here that I'd like to lay out. And I think it fits both of these disciples that we want to talk about this morning, Mary Magdalene and also John. First of all, that they came. Secondly, they saw. And thirdly, they believed. Now the story is very just a little bit different because we see that Mary was a little bit hesitant to believe. And we need to point out that there's two kinds of disciples. Some, some uh, tend to hesitate just a little bit. Some tend to just hold off and to lag a little bit, really believing God at His Word. And God is willing to reach out and give them understanding and lead them and guide them and make Himself real to them. Amen. Whatever it takes for God to make Himself real to you, God is willing to do that. And I'm not talking about uh, being unreasonable with God. I'm not talking about you acting like you're on the throne of creation and you're going to tell God what to do and He's going to bow down and kiss your toe. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about if you really have a desire to understand God and to really know Him for who He is, God will make Himself real to you. I'm here to stand before you this morning and say that I've seen that, not only in my own life, but those that I've ministered to and worked with throughout the different years. And I haven't been in ministry that long, but I've seen that testimony that God always comes through and makes himself real. We find here that Mary first came right here in verse number one. She was one of the first ones. Now we, throughout this story, may talk about some of the disbelief that Mary had. But may I point out to you that she was the first one, it says. She was the first one that came to, to the tomb. They came to see Jesus. They came to see what was going on. They may have been at their own house at night, but they came. And it says, while it was still dark out. While it was still dark, are you, do you get up in the morning to see Jesus while it's still dark out in the wee hours of the morning, come to meet with Jesus? Well, it says here that the first day of the week, and that's why we're celebrating it today, not only because it's the first day of the week, but also if you follow the, the uh, understanding of the tradition and their calendar and the season, you know it's on this blessed Sunday that we celebrate Christ's resurrection. Early, early when it was yet dark, she came into the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. And she ran. What'd she do? She didn't even look in. She just took off running to go tell the other disciples. She came, she beheld, she understood what happened. And then she took off to go tell the other disciples. And it says that she went and she told Simon Peter and the other disciples. So there was Simon Peter was there and there was at least John there. It doesn't say that she told all the other disciples, but it says that she told those two disciples. She told John and she told Peter. And what did she tell them? It says in verse number two that she told them that they have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher. The Lord's not there. So what's the practical reason? Well, somebody took him away. <laughs> Dead bodies just don't get up and walk around on their own, do they? No. But here you have to understand that even though all this is happening, and it says here in one place, and we're going to look at that here shortly, that they knew not the Scriptures. They, they didn't understand. They didn't remember the Scriptures. And it was actually some time after that that they remembered the words of Jesus and that they remembered. And, and these New Testament disciples, these, these disciples that sat under Jesus' teaching, they, they weren't really well learned. They weren't really well studied in the scriptures as far as uh, like the Pharisees and the scribes were. And I think that's interesting here and we don't want to dwell on it too long because that's not the subject of the message this morning. But not everybody that's well learned are true followers of Jesus. 
We don't see the Pharisees and the scribes coming out there to meet with Jesus. Now, they knew that Jesus said and it was prophesied that he would rise again the third day. And that's why they uh, compelled to have some guards and have a have a team of, of men out there of soldiers to guard the tomb. And they said, oh, you know, they knew the prophecy, but they really they really didn't believe that Jesus was going to resurrect himself. But what they thought is his disciples were going to come and steal him out of the grave and then try to say that he was resurrected. So they said, hey, we're, we're going to work on the offensive side here. We're going to have some guards set out. There's going to be some guards that they're going to seal the tomb. They're going to be watching over it. They're going to protect it. They're going to, they're going to make sure nobody's tampering with the evidence, if you will. Well, somebody else tampered with the evidence. God himself tampered with the evidence. And no, no uh, grave could hold him in. No tombstone could hold him in when he was come to the third day he must rise again to fulfill his prophecy but she didn't even stop to look in she just took off and she told him they've taken away the body that's the only reasoning that she would have is hey the body's gone it must have been somebody else that took him away and it says here in verses three and four that peter and john they took off to go see what happened they weren't just kind of nonchalant just walk and say yeah we're all oh, we're gonna go we're gonna go check the grave out see if anybody's there See what happened to his body. Why don't you come along with us? Just, just come along for the walk. We're just taking a walk. No hurry. Don't get in a hurry. But you ever know some people that don't get in a hurry about anything? I mean, even if it's an emergency, they say, okay, I'm heading that way. I'll be there in a little while. No, it says they took off and they ran. And uh, I don't know if it's about the physical condition or about the age. Some people say that John was a little bit younger than Peter and some of the other disciples. And he was still in his youth. He was youthfulness. But he says here he outran Peter. He took off. He was excited. They weren't just running together, but they were trying to get there as fast as they could. What is this? What's the news? The body of Jesus is gone. What's happened? Somebody moved it. Is Jesus resurrected? What has happened? And they're not really thinking uh, with, with all the marbles just yet until they get there. It takes a little bit for everything to click. And I might encourage you that sometimes for some disciples it takes a little while for things to click. And as we read through these passages in the Bible, uh, I find it, I don't know what the right word is to use, but I, I, it bothers me when Christians will read through some of the passages of the Bible and they say, man, why? These people are out of their mind. Like, that's stupid. I've heard people talk about people in the Bible and say, well, that's stupid. They shouldn't have done that. They should have done this. Yeah, well, rewind your life and look back at some experiences and some things you've done. You'll, you'll probably say the same thing. We need to be careful because they were in the moment. We could look at this story and we could say, oh, you know, why didn't they believe? They should have been studying the scriptures. They should have been remembering what Jesus said. He said that he was going to rise again the third day. He said, destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it. I know some were confused, but it, it says there that he was specifying his body. Destroy the body and I'll rebuild it in three days. I'll resurrect myself in three days. I'm going someplace where you can't come and I'll be back. And then I'm going to the Father to prepare a place for you. And I know there's a lot of confusing things there. There's a lot of confusing truths and revelations that we don't quite understand because they haven't come to pass yet. And sometimes we try to put the pieces together. And I've... I know some people that try to put pieces together and get the wrong pieces matched up with the other ones. And they're like a person working a jigsaw puzzle with a pocket knife. <laughs> and they just make the pieces fit because that, that's where they think they should go. And then they get their paintbrush out and repaint to help it match up with a picture. And I say, well, I don't need to do that. Just let things come to pass. Just do what God's called you to do and obey him and let things come to pass. But he said, this other disciple, he came first to the sepulcher. John outran Peter. He came first, but he reverenced the sepulcher. He reverenced the tomb where Jesus was laying. And he stopped and he looked in. It says in verse number eight, I have it underlined in my Bible. He came first, the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher. It's talking about coming first with Peter and John. It's not, not talking about the first day of the week because they already uh, solidified that there in verse number one, that Mary... She was there early while it was still dark. And she came back and told John and Peter. And John and Peter took off running. And John beat Peter back to the tomb, back to the sepulcher. And he saw, I have it underlined in my Bible, it says he saw and he believed. He saw and he believed. He, he really took time to behold and really understand, try to understand what was going on. But it says there that he saw and believed. You should have noticed that. He came all, these, all three of these disciples came. We're talking mostly about Mary and about John. 
But notice John here, he comes to the sepulcher. He sees and he believes. It's just right there. It's just right, really clear. It didn't take, didn't take much. He believed that the Lord had resurrected himself from the dead. Right there, sums it up in verse number eight. Now let's look at Mary's story. A little bit different turn. We know that Mary came to the sepulcher while it was still dark. It says that in verse number one. So she came. And now I don't know whether you would put point number two in, in verse uh, number one or number two, because she really didn't see exactly what was going on until she came back the second time. She ran and told John and Peter. And of course, John and Peter took off running. It doesn't say when Mary came in. She might have been a little while after Peter and John the second time when she come back. But this is her second time. She's coming back to the sepulcher. And that the other disciples, they went away again unto their own home. Verse number 10. It says here in verse number 11, but Mary stood without. But Mary stood without. I want us to think about those words. I, I don't want to take them out of context. But it seems like there's a lot of people who are in the right place at the right time and where it's happening. But they're standing without. They're just standing afar off. There may be some of the first ones to be where God's hand is moving. But they're standing afar off. They're standing without. They're really not, they're really not engaging themselves with what's happening. They're really not aware. It says, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher. And when you stand without, you will weep. She was weeping. She didn't understand what was going on. She, she's still thinking that somebody took the body of Jesus and she loved Jesus. And this was, this was hurtful to her. This brought a lot of pain and this brought sorrow to her life that someone would tamper with the body of Jesus. Someone's moved him. Maybe, maybe they moved him to another place. Maybe they took him someplace else to bury him and here she's coming to pay respects and his body is gone. Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. She's there at the beginning. She goes and tells the other disciples that somebody stole Jesus' body. Then she comes back, and they behold, John believes, and they both take off back to their house, and she's still there. She's just pondering. She's just thinking. She's just chewing on everything. And then... She stoops down and looks in. It took her a little while to stoop down and look in. John looked in right away as soon as he came. And Peter looked in right away. And they saw and they believed. But Mary didn't look in right away. She stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And what did she see? Here's the sight that she saw. She seeth two angels in white sitting, one at the, right hand, one at the head and the other at the feet. So there's two disciples, and there's a hewn out stone. I mean, this is a stone sepulcher with a stone uh, lid for it, if you will. And Jesus' body should be laying in there, and there's a little indentation for his body and a little place for his head, and he should be in there wrapped up in these linen garments and wrapped up with these spices and with these ointments and with these good-smelling fragrances. But he's not there. But in the place of where Jesus should have been, where in the place of where a body would normally lay in the sepulcher, something else is there, and it's two angels in shining apparel. That's quite the sight to behold. It doesn't say that John and Peter beheld that. It doesn't say that it took that so that they would believe, but it says that they just looked in and they, and they saw the, the linen that was there. But it says that Mary saw something different. Mary, when she stooped and looked in, she saw two angels, one at the head, one where Jesus' head should have been. There was an angel sitting there. And then another where his feet should have been. And what did they do? They spoke to her and they said, Woman, why weepest thou? Why are, why are you weeping? This is the day of celebration. Why are you weeping on the day of celebration? 
These weren't tears of joy that Mary was shedding. These were tears of sorrow. Someone has taken the body of Jesus. Someone's tampering here with this tomb. And this is a disgrace. And we've, we've gone through so much. This is who we thought was going to be the king of the Jews. We thought he was going to establish his throne and his kingdom down here. And something has it's taken a turn for the worse. And Jesus has always been found uh, faithful to slip out of the crowd and to save himself and somehow he's just avoided captivity all through his ministry and they were trying to condemn him to death for so long and he's he's just we had so much confidence in him and now something's happened it's taken a turn for the worse they, they caught him at a secret place of prayer and he was betrayed by one of his own disciples and now he's condemned to death and he's crucified and it all happened so fast that all the disciples are still pondering they can't really believe what's happening before their eyes and Understanding what's going on and now somebody's messed with the body of Jesus. Somebody's taken away the body of Jesus and she's tore up and she's crying. And they, they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord. Does she understand who she's talking to here? Men in shining apparel, men that are angels. They've taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. I just want to be with the body of Jesus. I love him so much. I want to be where Jesus is. And she no more than said this. And I don't know whether she had a feeling of a presence of someone behind her. You ever be someplace and you can just feel somebody's eyeballs on you? You can just feel. I remember as a kid, we were playing around and stuff, and I remember going in the bedroom one time when I was about ready to get in bed I just had this feeling man somebody's in the closet and I go over there and swing open the door and it's my brother and there he's waiting to scare me when the lights went off I said oh I got you <laughs> I can just feel his presence there not not always but sometimes you can I th that doesn't say this here I want to make sure we don't take it out of context or read between the lines but for some reason while she's having the conversation with these angels she turns herself back she turns around and behind her she saw Jesus but now recognize that the scripture says that she didn't know it was Jesus yet. Verse number 14, she knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus talks to her. Jesus says unto her, woman, why weepest thou? The angels just asked her why she was weeping. And now Jesus himself, if you have a red letter edition Bible, you'll see that these are the words of Jesus. Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Who are you looking for? You ever been someplace and... Maybe in a crowd or maybe somewhere and you're supposed to meet up with somebody and you've never seen them before, you've never met before, maybe you haven't heard their voice over the phone, don't know who it is exactly you're looking for and somebody comes in, whether it's at the meeting place in a crowd somewhere and you're off to the side or somebody knocks on your door and says, I'm looking for so-and-so, yeah, you're speaking to him. You call up the phone and say, hey, I'd like to talk to Mr. So-and-so and give their title and said, you're talking to him, you're speaking with him. Wow! <laughs> and she's, she says, I, I'm, I'm concerned. They've taken the body of Jesus away. I'm weeping. And she's just really caught up in her emotions so much that she's not able to really realize what all is happening here right before her eyes. And Jesus talks to her and he says, why are you weeping? Whom, whom seekest thou? Who are you looking for? You looking for somebody? Can I help you? Well, she was looking for Jesus. She, it just didn't click. She's supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Talking about Jesus to Jesus. <laughs> I've had only a handful of occasions where somebody confided in me about something that I did and they were displeased with it and they didn't know it was me. <laughs> it's only happened like maybe once or twice. It's quite a shocking experience. <laughs> At that point, you're not really sure whether you want to identify yourself or not. <laughs> you just kind of, yeah, I'll take the complaint. I'll, I'll tell them. I'll pass it on. <laughs> but here she's looking for Jesus and Jesus is talking to her and he doesn't know, she doesn't know who Jesus, she doesn't know that it's Jesus yet. And she's talking to him about Jesus, about the body of Jesus. Said, you know, she's still thinking that Jesus, somebody's taken Jesus away. It doesn't click. She doesn't realize the angel's there. She doesn't realize this is Jesus. If you've borne him, if you've taken him somewhere, I'll take him away. I'll take care of his body. Making a big commitment there. I'm sure she wasn't able to do that on her own, but she, she was probably willing to find help if she would need. She cared about Jesus enough to care about his body. But in verse number 16 is the big reveal. 
Jesus saith unto her, Mary. Now you have to understand at this point she hadn't spoken her name. The Bible doesn't give record that anyone there really recognized her to this point. Only probably John and Peter and they had gone off already. And there wasn't much talk about their names, at least what the scriptures records. But here Jesus is talking to her and she says, I, I, I want to take care of Jesus' body. And if you've taken him away, if you've moved his body somewhere, I, I just want to know where it's at. It's, it's no trouble. I, I'll take care of everything. I'll, I'll, I'll manage and work out the details, whatever they might be. Just, just, just tell us where he is. And Jesus says, Mary calls her by name. That's when things change. Praise the Lord. He knows our name. I'm drawing a blank on the lady who was in the concentration camp and the Lord provided for her and she wrote a book, I believe, God Knows My Shoe Size. Corey Ten Boom. God knows all about us. God knows all the details of our life. He knows our name. He knows right where we're at. He knows the turmoil. He knows the pain. He, he knows the things that bring us sorrow. My grandpa says that, of course, we all know that the Bible says that the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And my grandpa was bald, and he always said when he was alive that the Lord knows how many hairs you have on your head. So when you get into glory and you get your new body, he'll know how many to give back to you. <laughs> but he knew Mary and he said, Mary, she turned herself. She must have turned back to the tomb. She turned herself. She focuses on Jesus and she says, Rabboni. She says, Master. Jesus called her by the same name that she identified herself with before he had died on the cross. And she calls Jesus the same name. Master. Master. It all clicks. He goes on to say, don't, don't touch me. Don't fall at my feet. Don't, don't touch me. I have yet to ascend to the Father and to your Father. And something happened. Verse number 18, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Wow, I wonder if Peter and John wish they would have stuck around for a little longer. <laughs> I don't know all the details. I don't want to read between the lines, but I, I want us to know this morning that we have to come, that we have to see or behold, and we have to believe. That's when the change happens down in our heart. To see, to come, to see. And to behold, Mary came, she saw, and she believed. John came and he saw and he believed. It took a little more for Mary to believe. But at the time in which they both left, Peter and John left to go back to their house. And John believed when he left. Mary, when she left the second time, she believed. She believed that it was Jesus. And she not only believed, but she saw him. Some people say, well, I, I wish I could just see the Lord. I wish I could just behold him. I, just, I wish he would give me a sign. Jesus says that a wicked and a perverse generation seeketh after a sign. But the only sign that would be given, and that was to the Pharisees and the scribes, is that Jesus would die and be buried and raise again the third day to fulfill the prophecy of his resurrection came saw and beheld I want us to stand this morning the altar is open if anyone needs to pray let's bow our heads for just a moment close our eyes where are you at in this story and what disciple fits the story of your life that you're living out Are you a Mary who has to visit a couple times before she really believes? Eager to see what's going on, but just standing without, weeping, sorrowing, carrying your burdens alone? 
maybe Peter, excited to come and behold the sepulcher, maybe not able to come as fast as other people come, but coming as fast as you can. Maybe you're John. Maybe you believe. We can all look back. We can all look on our past in our own lives. We can all look at the past of other people, make observations. But really, it has no value unless we can apply it to where we are. I want us to point out, too, if you're a disciple that has seen, you've had an experience, you've had an encounter with the Lord. I'm not talking about just visibly seeing Christ. John didn't visibly see Christ to believe. But Mary Magdalene was pretty excited about her experience seeing the Lord. And she went and told. Maybe you're still on your way to see. Maybe you're there. Maybe you just need to stop and take a closer look. Maybe you just need to behold things. Maybe, maybe you need a conversation with Jesus. Or maybe it's time to run and go tell some others. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your blessings to us. We thank you for your word. We pray that you would take these words and press them upon our hearts. Help us to know our place. Help us to act accordingly. Help us to believe your witness that you've given about yourself. We're so glad that you didn't stay in the tomb. We're so glad, Lord, that when you rose again, you just didn't ascend immediately up to the Father. that you planned encounters with your disciples. We're so glad that you can make yourself real to each individual. We pray, Lord, that you would not only be real in our own hearts, but help us, Lord, to be found faithful and sharing the truth with others. And help us to be excited about it. Lord, we don't desire to put on any kind of emotion of, of excitement. But we also don't want our emotions to hold us back from really beholding what's taking place. Help us to see with those eternal eyes. Help us to see things for what they are. We praise you and we glorify your name. Be with us the rest of this day and gather us back again this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.